0: The concept of worth tied to fees leads to the urge to compare or prove oneself through more trainings or to imagine the financial means of imaginary clients and tell ourselves we're setting our fees for them. A question that can be asked instead is what is the rate where I'm working the amount of hours and taking home the amount of money needed to thrive? Welcome to Therapist Expanded, where we start a mental health revolution by living our dreams fully and freely beyond industry conditioning and taking every client with us, because we'll only take them as far as we've gone. So join me, your host, Aaron Gibb, and my trailblazing guests and Be Revolutionary by expanding your mind and your life to your freest and fullest potential. Hello, revolutionaries. Thrilled you're here. If you're a first-time listener, thank you so much. I'm glad you stumbled upon this or were sent this. And if you're a repeat listener, thank you again. I've gotten some really great feedback lately on the podcast, and it's got this amazing self-sustaining energy to it, but the the compliments and the feedback really keep moving me forward. So I appreciate All of you and those of you who've reached out, thank you. All right, today we're going to be talking about fee setting. This is likely going to be a two-parter because I have (laughs) so much to say here and organize my thinking. I'm going to actually read out something that I recently wrote about this to give you all kind of an outline and then I'm going to go actually deeper into an outline before I get started. But here's something I sent to my email list. We have so many therapists, healers, and coaches in the world charging the normal rate, and they're suffering even while they love what they do. I've been excited for weeks about the theme of fee setting. My excitement is because it's a place where our conditioning usually plays out very obviously, but where there is a really strong collective push to stay in the status quo. I've been supporting therapists and setting fees since 2017, so as this first week of fee setting unfolds, I'll be teaching an alternative to the way most therapists set fees on the podcast, which is here. I'm talking to you guys right now, which releases Wednesdays, and on social media. So please check those out if you want to learn the simple system I teach, which is coming up in this episode, by the way. So the key to why I teach this system I do is that charging an aligned rate is such a loving self-act. It loves you and the other person because it models thriving and selfhood, which means staying well so you can sustainably show up for yourself and the people you're serving. I've tried doing healing work with others from a broken down space and the cost is high. Many of you listening may know the cost I'm talking about. Trying to set fees based on the concept of your worth is an ever moving target. It means looking to compare what others are charging and asking yourself, am I worth that? This is a question that can never be answered and will just mean ego story after ego story. The concept of worth tied to fees leads to the urge to compare, or prove oneself through more trainings, or to imagine the financial means of imaginary clients and tell ourselves we're setting our fees for them. A question that can be asked instead is, what is the rate where I'm working the amount of hours and taking home the amount of money needed to thrive? All right, so that's gonna lay out an outline for what we're going to talk about here. We're going to look first at what are people currently doing? These kind of four aspects of how people in our field are generally setting fees. What I like to call worth, value, comparison, and fantasy. Then I want to teach the alternative, what I call setting a thrive fee. Uh, We'll then circle back around. This may be in another episode. We'll see how this all unfolds about what actually derails people then from implementing once they have their Thrive fee, they know it. And this really relates to state, story, and strategy. And then talk about my own money story was really obliterated, in my case, by a large investment in coaching. It was fascinating what happened there. And uh, it really seemed to let my ego kind of die around so much money stuff, obviously to be born again, but born again in a different way. So let's get started. What do I see people usually doing? So I was saying in in that writing that I've been helping therapists set fees since 2017. That's other therapists. That doesn't include me. Uh, I started setting my fees for private practice in 2016. And I did everything that I'm about to say most people do, and that I would sort of caution against doing. I did all the things. I looked at what other people were charging. I looked at what I thought I was worth, what I thought I was offering for value. I had a fantasy about what people were going to pay. I even talked to other people, and then what they said. By then, I wasn't as influenced, actually, by what they were saying. I'd already set my rate before I talked to others. But It was interesting to hear because it could have completely derailed me. So, this is kind of a what not to do is what I'm gonna talk about, but it is what almost everyone is doing and it is what you've probably done and that is okay. It's okay and the beauty of this is that you can set and reset fees as often as you want, truly. You may have a policy in place, we do at our practice and it's like eight weeks notice Um, And there's a few different ways people do this. We'll get into that around Thrive fees of like how often to change them. Obviously, it's a personal choice. But let's start in in on the ways that people normally set fees. So even after I teach the Thrive fee, I hear it. People want to go back to these four ways. And that's fine. And this is not for me to set for anyone. But the number one thing I hear is people want to set their fee based on what they feel their services are worth. But what starts to happen pretty quickly is people start to mean really their own worth. What are they comfortable saying out loud before they just want to hide and they feel like they're on fire? That is about their own self-worth, which is not really to do with their fees, but it really feels like that. The other piece is, is kind of maybe more of what they're talking about with value. But we'll start with worth. A thought experiment that I find helps when you're talking about worth and understanding that when therapists are talking about what's their fees worth, they often, you, you the more you go into it, and I've done this with people and explored it, they really do mean their worth, their own worth. Their ego gets involved. But if we think about when we were all born, back when I was born, Uh, babies were put into a room. And we've seen this in media where you see that room where people stand at the glass and they look out and there's all these little plastic bassinets filled with different babies. They used to have them in a pink blanket or a blue blanket. And there's nurses in that room. They don't really do this anymore because I think people understand attachment differently. It could be wrong though. But that was standard practice. So if you imagine standing in front of that window and you're looking at all these different babies, most people would say that no matter what's going to happen with those babies, no matter who they turn out to be, what they turn out to do, are they homeless when they grow up, or are they a doctor? We know as therapists, there are a whole lot of factors going from that baby's birth, even their gestation, all the way to what they do in life. There's a lot. If we just look at these babies just born, most people could agree that their value is already there, they didn't have to earn anything, and there's no real way to take value from that baby. Now, if you imagine yourself in that room full of babies, what starts to happen is that you may still agree that all the babies are just as valuable, but you may start to see this wobble. Some of us it's very early. Sometimes you can age this all the way up. Think about all these babies are now toddlers. And you can include yourself or not. It's fun to do both. Fun's maybe the wrong word, but it's it's enlightening to do both. And you see, is all they're worth the same. They're not earning anything yet. They're not working, they're not defining themselves yet, really. And so you start to see in your own history, number one, where did you stop feeling like you were like everyone else? Where did you start needing to earn worth? You'll also see, when did you feel everybody did? So I've done this exercise many times, and most people can acknowledge that really we didn't come into the world needing to earn anything, to be worthy. Anything we did, anything who we were was enough. And that starts to change as we age. It reflects where we had some trauma around our worth, but also compared to others. So that's an interesting exercise. But coming back to worth, it never changes. The way we came into the world, we were 100% worthy, nothing to earn. That is still what we are. Everything else is a story from experience. So when I said in that piece I read to you about how This is a great place when setting fees for our conditioning to come right up and take over and for it to be sanctioned by the field. I meant it. You just have to join a Facebook group and look at fee setting stuff and you will see there is a lot going on there. And I mean that with love. But worth. This is a place where people ask, well, am I worthy of that? Is my service worthy of that? And they mean the same thing in my experience. And it gets You know it's squirrely. It's a moving target because it's ego story coming in. The truth is, yeah, you're worth it. You are 100% worth it. What you offer, it's not even that kind of a paradigm looking at what you offer. Interestingly, my experience, a thrive fee has nothing to do with that. But so even when people go, okay, so maybe I can see that I'm worth it. What starts to happen is then it becomes, okay, well, but is this service valuable? And that's where I find people then start to go, well, I probably shouldn't set what I know I need to thrive or what I want because I don't have enough trainings. So this is where the story goes like out of self-worth and into value for the service. So it sort of shifts. It almost looks more rational then. It's like, okay, so it's value for the service. But then it becomes this squirrely thing where it's like, well, maybe I should just get more training. I'll get some more training and then in a year I'll actually charge what I need to be well. This is something I've seen many times. And so that becomes about this slippery, like I need more certifications, I need more trainings, I need to have what those other people do. And again, it comes back to this feeling of internal self-worth. Ego's in there making lots of stories. The next piece is about comparison. If in doubt, what I've seen is people then compare. they go, well, what is everyone else doing? what does the these are very rational but air quote statements like, what does the market bear, and what are other people doing and then back to do I have enough training and am I worthy enough?" And this I've found is hard to get around, but I give the example of my clinical supervisor, he has been doing this for over fifty years and his rate, the way he sets it, let's assume he does this thrive process, which is based on what he needs to thrive. Well, he's been doing this over 50 years. He might have a paid off house. He, he may not need what everyone else does. But when people look at their thrive number and they go to say it and they notice it's near his or over his, it creates this incredible noise. So the comparison, you know, it's the thief of joy. I think we've heard that, but it isn't relevant. It really isn't relevant to what you need to set your fees at. And so sometimes I hear in this comparison piece is people go, okay, they go into the next one, which is the fantasy of what people will pay or can pay becomes this amazing codependent dance where it's like, well, maybe I'll just set it because you know, people in my area or people I want to serve can't pay. Or I just can't imagine people paying that much, right? It's really about I can't say it out loud and I'm stuck in a story because we can go outside of our region. The world is our oyster now. It's okay that it's story, but it's wonderful to look at it that way because it's liberating. So the fantasy of what anyone else is going to pay. And then we get back into comparison. It's like, okay, so... If I'm going to charge more than that other person, it grates on the worthiness, the comparison. But then it's like, but will a client really pay that extra $40 a session to see me? My experience is that once a person understands the value of seeing you, which doesn't really have a lot to do with money, they've made a connection, if anything to do with money. They've made a connection with you. They understand what you do. They feel you are resonant with what they need. Maybe they've done another consultation with someone else and their sessions were $40 less. People aren't deciding in that way. If they resonate with you, the value suddenly becomes not about money. It becomes about what therapy is really about. Is this the relationship that's capable of facilitating them accessing their empowerment and their goals and their meaning so it's not about money and sometimes you will have clients who will say they can't afford it oftentimes it goes back to that worth piece though i've explored this with clients when they say they need it so much what happens is they realize they have a hard time believing they're worthy enough to spend money on So it wouldn't have mattered if my fee was $40 less a session, $100 less a session. It's hard to imagine paying anything to look after themselves. It's great to explore that in the consult. Because saying that money is the reason, ceding our power to money is extremely easy. That's what I mean by the conditioning. Listen to yourself listening to this and in life, we all rampantly cede our power to money and it's worth looking at is it really about money or is it about fear is it about worthiness is it about rejection abandonment those kind of things are what money kind of gets stamped on time times another one like this and other people's opinions two other places we can see a lot of power so the fantasy that the person cannot afford it or starting to think about what could people afford it's kind of going at it backwards it's really limiting and it has nothing to do with you thriving, which ultimately you thriving, me thriving, all of us thriving, is the, really the only way to do this. I mean, I feel like that could just be the end of this session, what I'm teaching now, the end of this, of this podcast episode. It really is the only sustainably sustainable way, working from a broken down place, even if day one it's okay. But setting too low of a fee starts to become a problem pretty fast, it starts to become a limit, it starts to burn us out pretty fast. And then it affects our ability to stay well and do the work. So to me, it's an—it's almost an emergency. It, like Those are really strong words. But when I see someone setting their fees from this other place, this normal status quo thing, and waiting to put it off until they feel more worthy to charge what they actually need, it feels like an emergency. I never set fees for anyone. So I've done this now with a number of people and laid this out. And as I watch them choose something from that place, it's really hard obviously theirs, and it's such a beautiful learning experience, but it feels in my body like this kind of emergency because I know where it can really lead people. So then there's also people when they hear this, they think, yeah, but it isn't a fantasy that some people can't afford to pay for my services. No, there are people who, yeah, you could serve through pro bono through sliding scale. The thing about a Thrive fee. As you factor that in, how many spots do you want to do pro bono? How many spots do you still want to do within insurance? How many spots do you want to do sliding scale, which I would consider an insur- insurance rate personally as well for most places. And I'm talking about my U.S. friends here um, especially. But you can factor that in along with you know, vacation, sick time. You can factor all of that in. So I'm going to talk now about what it means to set a Thrive Fee. Like, how do you do that? And it's moving away from what I see when we try to set our fees in the traditional way of conditioning. That's like a balloon flying around untethered. It's amazing because if you try to go from worth, comparison, value in the traditional way and the fantasy of what other people will pay, it's amazing. That that balloon seems to never get anchored to anything. It's just this continual moving target of what you should do. And we end up picking what feels the least uncomfortable, which has not necessarily anything to do with us staying well. But when we do this next process, it's what I see is this balloon gets tied to a rock. And I've heard that, especially in some recent feedback with doing this with one of our contractors in the business, They said, well, it really helped them. That's because it's concrete. We're going to do it based on math. And that doesn't mean in the end you will completely base it on math. But the math is going to give you something to anchor to when you start to hear the stories or you see it out in the field rampantly where people aren't setting based on what they need to thrive. So the actual math is quite simple. There's probably a few different ways you can do this. But in essence, it's looking at, number one, an inventory of what you need to survive. Okay, These are your survival needs in terms of what will cover your housing, what's going to cover your food, what's going to cover your whatever, fill in the blanks here you know the kind of bill categories. Some people will put in just to survive. They need a massage a week. That's not thriving. That's just surviving. So you know yourself. Try to be honest with yourself here. What's your your bare minimum financial needs to survive? Okay. So start with that. Then your thrive needs. So this is the amount of money over and above that that you need to thrive. So take an honest inventory here. Start with the things you need, not the costs. Do you need that massage a week? Do you need to put aside for retirement? Do you need to put aside for vacations? Like these are your thrive things just to really thrive. Do you need X amount of mo- weeks off or months off? Do you need a buffer where you've got your sick time kind of calculated out in your mind that you will take? maybe a couple of weeks of sick a year, be realistic. This is what you need to thrive where you could, it's like your practice could just hold you like a loving container. I see this beautiful raft on the ocean and it's like that raft. It is really, really safe. I know a raft on the ocean doesn't sound that safe, but in my mind, it has a little bit of magic to it. And I think that that's what setting your thrive fee, it may feel kind of crazy when you look at the number at some point. But truly, the other way to set fees inevitably leads people to burnout. I haven't seen another way where burnout may not be the way, but financial struggles, um, these kind of continual leaky containers, right? So this is a sturdy container that will hold you. So I may be missing some things you need to thrive, but you will know them. Start with listing them out, then assign realistic costs to them. Don't go messing with it, thinking, well, I could probably do less. I could whatever. Just put it all down and get a total and start to do the numbers where you know how many weeks a year you're going to work, right? Of the 52 weeks a year, you know how many you want to work, how many you, you presumably are taking off. You're estimating that. And right there, you now have the total number. Don't worry about the weeks, put them aside. You have your total number. You could look at that per month, per year. This math part is up to you. I usually look at it in a month and then I extrapolate from there. Okay. So what you've got then is a total for the year. Let's do it that way you take it for the month. However, you get a total for the year. Okay. That's your total for the year. Now you think about how many weeks you're going to be working, presumably. Let's say it's 48. Yeah. We're just spitballing. You're going to divide the total number you need a year after tax. That's important. And that's, you actually need to take it home. Then you're going to divide it by how many weeks you're going to be working. And you see that number Now, that number isn't the number. It's going to be your weekly take-home. So from that number, you're then going to look at things like adding on taxes. How much are you going to put away for taxes? Do you have um, sales tax on that? Are there expenses that you know come right off? So with when I was setting this or helping my team set this, we have a set amount we take per session that they work. So that can be factored in here and then different things like that. Okay? So I want you to know that the amount we're talking about for your Thrive number is your take-home amount. So work out that now, how much in taxes. Really base this on the math. The math is not complicated. You can absolutely do the math. You can get someone to help you do the math. You can get an accountant if you want that kind of peace of mind because I am not an accountant. When we did this, we estimated an amount which was of... After certain expenses, 30% going away for taxes. Because you never know how those expenses are going to exactly play out. Some people will do 20% put away, some will put 25% away, some have a different strategy. That's really not the point, Is exactly how you do the math. The math is about be honest, and then once you see what the number is per month, What I also want you to have in mind is then how many hours a week will you work to be thriving? So now you've got the number of what you need per week or per month, however you're breaking it down. And then you're looking at how many actual hours are you willing to work and you know you'll still be thriving. So you're taking that number and you're going, let's say, I know that my mind wants to tell me I'm going to work 20 22 hours a week, but in reality, when I really thrive, I'm working 16 hours a week seeing clients that is. Okay? So you've got now got your number. Let's say it's based on the month. You're going to take that 16 hours, you're going to times it by 4, I believe it's 64. You're going to divide that by the month and you're going to get a number. That number always already has factored in taxes. It's already factored in certain expenses if you want. And so it is the number. It is the hourly rate. Let's say it comes out to 190. Okay, we're just spitballing here. Could come out to 285. It could come out to less. I don't know what you need to thrive, right? But let's just say it comes out to 190. Now is the time where people start backpedaling and start playing with it. Now, if you get a number that you feel once you've done this process, once you've looked at the ways people usually set them, and you just can't bear to say it, okay, well, then you have the other variable you can play with. How many hours are you willing to work? But it all starts to become clear when you do it in this way because when you start to mess with your hours you're willing to work or weeks you're not going to take off, all of that is sacrificing you. The only thing that's hard about saying the number out loud is the fear of the judgment of others. It's this grating on worthiness, on comparison, on the fantasy of what people can pay. So it's going to come back to that. But I still do understand that this is not easy. I just want to put that out there. It isn't easy for everyone. But then you have your Thrive number. And that is it. That is the very, very simple process by which you do this. Knowing that the what's going to make it complicated is not the number. It's not actually the number. And it's incredible the range that people charge. And something that can be helpful is understanding that people charge in all kinds of parallel fields a range from less than what therapists charge to a million dollars for their coaching. So there isn't really a morality around this because you can build that in. Ethics, morality, you can build it in however you want. You want to see some pro bono people, great. Factor that in. All of those things can be factored in. And if when you do that exercise, and I highly encourage you do, I really, really encourage you to do that. You notice that it is really, really uncomfortable. I understand. But for many therapists, there is something else going on that is so very uncomfortable. And that is living from that conditioning that just leads us to become unwell. Comparing to what others are doing, we have no idea truly how they're thriving. We don't know what they need financially. They may be set in a way we can't understand. They may have a really low cost of living. Or they're living like most North Americans or Westerners and they don't have a low cost of living. But it's just really uncomfortable for them to set a Thrive fee. Or they don't know how. So they've done it based on others around them. Or based on what they've been told. This has been challenging for me is to watch people actually try to set other people's fees for them. Or watch people say how you get off of insurance panels exactly the way, but it's about you setting a certain rate and having certain people do certain things in your practice so you can get off of them. If that is something you need is to find those, great. But I hesitate to ever set a number for someone because this is such a rich experience. When we decondition ourselves around ceding power to money, time, and other people's opinions what we get back is so very incredible. So I just want to highlight again that the key message here is know that there are common ways that people set their fees. This is around feelings of self-worth, telling ourselves about our value and what we offer as the value and how many trainings we have and all the years of all that. Comparison is huge. What are other people doing in the region? And actually, what I didn't speak to here in comparison is that it's fascinating because we know we're going back to self-worth and all those ego stories. Because if we really want to look at what happens when we set our fee higher, truly, we can look at market research. People do not buy the cheapest thing. um, Generally, no. If they have a bunch of options and they actually know the price, the majority of people will not buy the cheapest option because it gives the perception of lower value when they have nothing else to go on. That's where consultation calls are so key. If we start a consultation call with our rate and the person has absolutely no idea what they're getting, like we haven't even explained, we haven't shown them our our relational style. They have no idea they're going to walk away and listen probably if they've consulted and everyone just said their rate, they'd likely go with someone at the higher end. In fact, many people will go with the highest end. So comparison, we don't know what anyone else needs. We don't have any clue about what people need to thrive and fantasy of what other people can pay. We also don't know that. And so I've heard people here say that they really do know they live in a, in a, You know, an area that's struggling, low socioeconomic status, there's all these different factors, and that may be absolutely true, and this is where your Thrive number can factor some of that in to support people. But we live in a world now where your region is not the only way, and that some of the stories people tell themselves here are stories to just stay stuck. You can do whatever you want. You could do pro bono for your region because you are doing online therapy and you're charging whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that you need to thrive. So that's going to be it for this episode. Love it if you join any of the social media discussion going on. Look at those posts. I'd love it if you join the Monday Mind Ups list because then you'll get each Theme first, but also because this idea of things derailing us is a huge focus of what I love to do. It's not about villainizing it, but it's about knowing that it's a block and it will probably be there and to love and befriend it and yet choose something else. And that's really what the Monday Mind Ups are about. So if you have blocks to your goals, check it out. Join us. I really hope this has been helpful about setting a thrive. the the next episode, I'm going to be talking more about some of the ways this gets derailed. And I'm also going to talk about my money story being obliterated by a coaching decision I made. An amount of money I spent on coaching that was so outside the box that I couldn't believe what it did to my money mindset. So I thank you so much for listening. And I really hope that if nothing else, look at what your thrive fee would be if you decided to set it. Really face that math, face your finances, and know that there is a completely different way than comparison worth certain aspects of value and fantasizing about what people can pay. So I look forward to talking to you all again. Thanks for listening to Therapist Expanded. Please subscribe, rate, review and share this podcast to help more of our colleagues join the revolution.